church. It's good to be with you. Now, be honest. This is a place where you come as you are. We repent. We just confess our wrong and our shortcoming. Anybody here show up at 9.45 and go, oh, that's right. Honey, anybody? Any hands? We got an altar call. We'll be good. It's okay. All right. Well, good job. I'm proud of you guys. We, uh, man, I was so encouraged by last week. Um, didn't Robbie do a fantastic job preaching? It was, it was great. Yeah, two people liked it. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> he knows. Re- eternal rewards. We, eternal rewards. Um, we, man, it was such a blast to just be able to come and worship and, and receive. Robbie in the pulpit, Danny leading worship, Ross leading communion. But what I discovered was there was nobody up on stage last week under the, over the age of 30. Now, all of a sudden, I'm like the old guy with, with the replaced hip. Church issued me my AARP card last week. I was like, what in the world? I don't know. I don't understand it. But I felt a little, I, I kind of feel Oral Roberts pain now. I, got the, I need a big old easy chair up here just to be able to relax and, and preach. So uh, September is birthday month at my brother's house, uh, him and, and my sister-in-law. And they, three of their four kids have birthdays in the month of September. The month before PFDs come out, right? That's brutal for an uncle. Now, you, we just went through this uh, recently, and on and one of the Saturdays, it was Kobe's birthday, my 18-year-old nephew, now 18-year-old. He's, he's with us here in the second service. Um, so we, the, the, remember, the, the party is all about Kobe. We're there to celebrate Kobe and his birthday and the fact that he survived yet another year with my brother right? Praise the Lord. That's, that's a miracle. Uh, we're having this blast, and, and my sister-in-law, Ashley, a great hostess. Uh, we have uh, just, you know how it would be with all the Frankinos getting together. There's lots of noise and talking, and dogs are knocking over babies, and we've got food everywhere, and we've got games, and it is a blast. But about three hours into the party, I'm walking in the kitchen, and I bump into Kobe, and I'm like, oh, hey, Kobe. Now, now here's why this is bizarre. It had been three hours, and that was the first time I had seen Kobe at his own birthday party. Now, Kobe loves the basement, and, and, and for good reason. You got a bunch of crazy Frankinos upstairs. I'd probably avoid us, too. But, but the point is, in the midst of all the hubbub of this party that, in theory, is all about Kobe, I had gone three hours and not even seen the one whom this party was supposed to be all about. And sometimes we have to press the brakes and step back and go, man, wait a second. Why are we at this party? We're starting this new series for Mission Month. We're going to look at the mission of our church and our purpose. And sometimes we need to press the brake and step back and go, what is the purpose of my life? Like, seriously, stop and think about that for a second. Why do you do the things you do? Why do you get out of bed in the morning? What, what, why were you created? What is the purpose of all of this? We step back and we ask, wait a second, why are we at this party. So we get so busy running around like headless chickens that we often just pause and step back and ask the big questions. And as believers, I'll tell you, we are awesome at throwing church parties, right? We, we are good, just like this place. They're throwing a church party. Now, I apologize that your pastor doesn't know how to ride a unicycle like that guy. Uh, we do have some folks at the, at the Diamond M Ranch that know how to, if you want to check that out. But we have these great, we have awesome worship services uh, where we have dynamic worship leaders. Y'all are blessed with this handsome, dynamic you know, preacher. Like, that's just, man, God being good to you, right? And, and we have vacation Bible schools where truckloads of kids come into a building and be a part of this. We have potlucks like we know how to Jesus party. But even though we often we, we sing about God, we, we preach about God, we talk about God, we give money to God, we tell others about God, 
do we actually have a relationship with God himself? Or do do we, like like me and my brother's house, occasionally bump in to God, oh, hey, God, I got to go back to the party. On page one of the Bible, first verse, it tells us why God created the world. And when God throws a party, listen, when God throws a party, he throws a party, all right? Like he knows, you talk about lavish decorations, he decorates his party with the Himalayan mountains, right? With the Amazon rainforest, with with the Pacific islands and oceans. And God didn't even get that off Pinterest. That, That was an original move by him right? And, and then we know, we see that God, he, he's a great caterer. He brings fruits and vegetables. He, he brings us amber waves of grain, although we're still trying to find out if gluten was actually made before or after the fall. A lot of scholars doing debate on that right, right now. We know invited to the guest, uh, the guest part, the guest list includes hummingbirds and all the way up to the, the massive hippopotamus. But then the, the guest of honor, the last ones to walk into the party, the one he created all this for, Adam and Eve had to be super careful about Google imaging that one. (laughs) Here they come. And we step back and we look at this party that he throws and we ask the question, why did he create all of this? He put us in this wonderful world, but what for? What is his heart? Well, the good news is God tells us at the very beginning of the Bible. If you're following along in your notes, the first blank we have here is God's heart for humans. On the first three pages of the Bible, he tells us three purposes that we need to know for our lives. The first purpose is we are called to resemble. Resemble. Genesis 1, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So do you see, God created us in his likeness. To be like him. Now, why would he do that? Why did he create us like that? The simple but beautiful truth is that God wanted to relate to us. That's why he made us like him. So Jill and I, we have a bird feeder in the backyard. Um, Really, there's no grass back there yet, so it's just our back dirt. But in in the back there, we have a bird feeder, and we love watching the birds. That's also the closest that I'm wanting to go toward having a pet. Like, that's good for me. Um, But... As much as I love the birds, to be honest, I've got a pretty shallow relationship with them, right? I just watch them come and, and go. That's about it, right? Why? Because I'm not made like a bird. We're not in the same image. We're not made in the same likeness. I have, and you'll be happy to hear this, I have a much closer relationship with my wife than I do those birds at the bird feeder, right? Praise the Lord. Why? Because her and I are created in similar images, similar likenesses. And in the same way, God created us like him because God, the beautiful truth is that God wants to relate with me. Just pause on that for a second and know that God created you because he loves you and he wants to relate with you. This involves growing up because as we increase our image bearing and start to look more and more like him, we are able to relate with him more and more. That's his heart for us. So the first purpose is to resemble him. Second one is to represent him, to, to represent him. We see in Genesis 1, 26, it said he, he made us in his image, but then he tells us why. He, here's the purpose of being made in God's image. He says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So he says, go and have dominion over creation, or the verse 28, subdue it. This language is of ruling and reigning. Our God is one who rules and reigns, and as his image bearers, he has too called us to rule and reign over this world. 
The way I would say it is this. He's created us to have responsibility and care for our planet, to use Earth's resources for God's purposes, to use the resources for his planet. And here's the cool thing. He sends us out. He wants us to go investigate, develop, create, to use the world's resources, not exploit or abuse the world's resources, but use them for human flourishing in a way that glorifies our God. He said, go subdue it. So he said, Adam, you see that cow? Go subdue it. Adam looks and says, I will subdue you. The cow says, yeah, bring it on. Verse 28, God blessed them. Here's another purpose to represent. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And again, here, this is where he says, subdue it. So here is a wonderful reason to be created. He says to go procreate. Now you realize how that works, right? You guys know how procreate, okay. Sex, in the right context, is actually a command from God here. God is good, right? Here am I, Lord, send me. Here for your purposes. I'm just saying. I'm married now, I can say that. He says, make babies go and fill this world, listen, with worshipers of me who will bear my image and rule and reign this world with me. Now, God wants to work with me. We're not ruling and reigning on our own terms. He's still God. He will always be our God. But under his, and this is what the cool job is. This involves going out. God wants to work with me. So he sends us out to go do this job. And what a cool job it is. Think about what we're called to do. He says, go run the earth as my representatives. I want you to go make families. I want you to go build cities. I want you to domesticate and subdue those cows. I want you to discover art and music. I want you to invent things like the internet. Although, again, Facebook, after the fall, for sure. For sure, made after the fall. And he says, we're going to do it together. We're going to go have dominion over this world together. Resemble to, to, to represent. And then number three, relationship. He created us for relationship. Look at Genesis 3. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from his presence. Now, this is in the context, this is after Adam and Eve have sinned, so that's why they're hiding from God's presence. But what I want want you to see in this verse is God is walking where Adam and Eve walk, in the garden where they live. Now, the text doesn't say it, but this does not appear to be abnormal. That God was walking where Adam and Eve were because what, what we see out of this, now listen, I love, like, I love going on walks with Jill. We, we love walking through the woods. We love hiking up mountains. But how cool to think that God desires to walk with us hand in hand through life. Like that's what he desires is this relationship with us. And, and he says not only with me, but with others. Look at Genesis chapter two. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for for him so god created us not just for a relationship with himself but for with other people and the context here is marriage but he didn't just create us for marriage but for the context of community listen god does not want us to be isolated islands we, we said a couple months ago we said he created friendship the idea of community is god's idea friendships half our troubles and double our joys we were created for community. God wants to walk with me, made in his image to relate with me, and us with each other. And this is the beautiful truth. God wants to walk with me, and this involves getting in, getting in, into relationship with him and into relationship with one another. And here's the really cool thing. This was God's heart before he even created anything. 
We believe the Bible tells us of a God that is, that is three in one, and I just jumped way ahead of my notes. Hold that thought. Why did God create us? We see three things. Did I? Where am I here? Oh, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Why did God create us, you guys? Three things. To resemble, I'm going to bounce right back on my feet. You know what, you watch this. To relate with us. He created us to represent him, to work with us. And he created us for relationship because he wants to walk with us. Now, did you guys know, even before creation, God was a trinity. He was three in one. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's the cool thing. God, as three people in one, was a God of relationship all by himself. This is in God's DNA to relate and this is what he wants for us. And this is why Jesus said he defined eternal life. And, and listen to what Jesus says in John 17, chapter, uh, verse 3. He says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. He says, this is eternal life. Listen, that's not a length of time. Every soul will live forever. He says, what is eternal life is not a quantity, but it's a quality. Eternal life is to know God. And not just know facts about God, but to know him personally, to walk with him and to walk with Jesus. That's true life. And what could be better? What could be better than walking with God in the cool of the garden? For Adam and Eve to be able to relate with him, to rule and reign, to subdue cows with him. Like, this is a great opportunity. Couldn't be better, but what do we see on page three of the Bible? Adam and Eve walk away. They look at God in the face and say, we're going to run the party on our terms, not your terms. And when we look around today, what we see is a world that was created from humans that walked away from God. The brokenness, the wars, the, the abuse, the cliques and gossip, the greed, the exploitation. This is selfishness run amok like a Californian wildfire. See, when you forget about the one whom the party is all about, it quickly becomes a distorted, corrupted party. Where does all of our pain come from? Where does, we are lonely people. We are isolated. We are broken. We are suffering. We are hurt. We are confused. And it all stems from us not living out God's heart for us, that we're not walking with him, that we're not relating to him, that we're not working with him. And in our arrogance, we uninvited God to his own party. But that's why Jesus showed up. That's why Jesus came to the party. He's the true and better Adam that came to save us from this perverted, distorted version of his party and to resurrect and transform humanity with his new resurrected son into the kind of image bearers that we were originally created to be back on the first pages in Genesis. You see, as a believer, I think we often think that our purpose is just to be saved from hell and hunker down until Jesus comes back. Now, yes, we had to be rescued from our sin, and yes, Jesus is coming back, but there is so much more to our life as a follower of Jesus than just hiding out until he returns. And what is that purpose? Well, I'm glad you asked. That happened to be my next slide. God's heart for sinners is discipleship. It's discipleship. You see, Jesus came to bring us back to that original purpose of the party for a relationship with God, to rule with God, to relate with God, and to walk with God. And we see this when Jesus calls his first disciples. You see, in Genesis, he, he, he creates but in, in Matthew, we're going to see him recreate 
and redeem. And look at what he says to his first two followers. While they were walking, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. This is how discipleship began. And there are three things that Jesus said here that I, I want us to highlight. The first one is, he said, follow me. F- follow me. Now this involves getting in. It involves getting in a, into a relationship with Jesus. And we go back to page one. This is his heart. Remember, God wants to walk with me. He wants to walk with me. But because Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They were banished from the garden. And this crazy angel in flames with a sword is guarding that garden so that they cannot walk with God where God is. Now, this is the truth. The, the bad news is that we were separated from God because of our sin. That's, that's what death means, separation. But the good news is, it's exactly what Jesus came back to restore. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, no longer walking with him, you've been brought near Near where? Into the presence of God. How? By the blood of Jesus. The ransom that he paid for you was to buy you back. And 1 Peter 3 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely where? Home to God. That's the whole goal. It was not just to save you from sin, but to save you back into walking with God again. But Jesus here, he didn't just say, hey, trust that I, I paid for your sins and I'll, I'll see you back up in heaven. Peace out. He said, follow me. Did you hear these words? What does that imply? When Jesus raised from the dead, he was crowned king. And as the king, as the Lord of our lives who bought us with his blood, Jesus is the one that gets to tell me how to run my life now. Jesus is the one how, that gets to tell me how I rule and reign his way, his terms, not mine. And that comes out in the second part of what he says. He says, follow me and what? I will make you. Now, what does the word make imply? It implies a change, right? I'm going I'm to make you into something that you're currently not. This implies you were going one way, you need to go another way. And let me tell you, his way is better. I'm going to make you into something way better than what you've been without me. You see, this involves growing up, changing, growing. This is becoming like Jesus. And this takes us back to the original purpose that God wants to relate with me. As I grow and become more like Jesus, I will be able to have a better and closer and more intimate relationship with my God. And this is what 2 Corinthians 3 says. Chapter 3, verse 18. We all with unveiled face. Why? Because Jesus has removed the veil. We're brought near by his blood. Beholding the glory of the Lord. And here's what's happening. We're being transformed, changed. I'm going to make you into the same image, there's our Genesis word, from one degree of glory to the other. So we're being transformed into the image of Jesus, who is God. So we're back to the original intent, right? To bear God's image so that he can relate with me. But what did he say he wants to make us? The final part of his phrase, he said, fishers of men. Fishers of men. This involves going out, that we are on mission with Jesus, And again, this takes us right back to Genesis with our original purpose, that God wants to work with me. He wants to work with me. And what's that mission? What what are we going out with Jesus to do? Well, in Genesis, we saw that he said, go and be fruitful and multiply, make humans. But now as his followers, he says, go out into this world of humans and redeem them. We're, We're starting a new creation. 
of people who will follow me, raised to life. And, and this is found in Matthew 28. Remember what Jesus said? Go into that world and make disciples. Go make disciples. That our mission is to invite other people into following Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and going out and making other disciples themselves. This is the mission. We're called to be fishers of men. But unlike salmon fishing in Alaska, there's no limit. You can go out. In fact, he wants you to make as many disciples as possible before he comes back. That's the mission. That's the focus. That's what we're all about as followers of Jesus. So we see discipleship is God's heart for sinners. But what does that look like in our lives today? What does it look like? What does it mean to be a disciple? Well, back in 2010, I went back to school to become an elementary school teacher. Went to KPC through UAA, and this was an incredible feat. I crammed four years of teaching training into six actual years. <laughs> Teachers had never seen anything like it. There's a like, man, you're great. And, and now what happened here? For eight semesters, I did typical schoolwork. I wrote papers, I took tests, I um, read books. And then the last semester, they paired me up, is what they call student teaching. They paired me up over at K Beach with a fifth grade teacher named Mrs. Claben. Now, I'm not here to knock the elementary school program um, anywhere, and maybe I am, and I need to repent. We'll, we'll deal with that later. But uh, here, I learned more from Suzanne Claben in that one semester than I did all the other eight semesters of, of hypothetical schoolwork. Why? Because I'm walking with somebody. What was it? I was relating with her, learning from her, working with her, becoming like her. I was, what was happening? That's discipleship, right? I was a disciple of Mrs. Claben. I remember one of the first days the kids were goofing off and I said to one of them that wasn't listening, I said, drop and give me 20. That was a basketball coach, and that's just kind of what you do. And she leans over to me, and she goes, mm, that's actually illegal. <laughs> like, you're not allowed to enforce physical discipline. As I'm like, well, I did, they didn't teach me that in the classroom, right? Didn't learn that. For five months, I walked with her, I, I worked with her, ate lunch with her, probably started to smell like her. She smelled good, don't worry. It, it, she equipped me to teach, to become an elementary school teacher, of which I immediately quit and became a pastor instead. But <laughs> that's not the moral of the story. Just, just keep focused. Discipleship is apprenticeship. Discipleship is apprenticeship. Listen, you're going to learn to be a disciple by doing it, not just by studying it abstractly. Like, you could go to a bunch of Bible classes. You could come and hear me preach every week. This is a pep rally to go send us out to actually go do the work of discipleship. It happens out there, not in here. It involves coming along someone else, just like any other apprenticeship, someone who's walked the road longer than you, and doing it with them. In the Bible, Paul and Timothy were this awesome picture of this. Paul is this disciple of Jesus who's been following him, one of the original apostles, and he takes this younger guy, Timothy, under his wing. He says, follow me. And so Paul and Timothy start doing ministry together, living life together, traveling together, eating with each other, becoming like each other. For the last seven years, Larry Smithwick has been the Paul to my Timothy. Uh, we met together almost every week for seven years. He was actually the pastor here before I was. He was here for about three years, and, and he's a lot of why I'm here today, why I'm a pastor instead of an elementary school teacher. Um, we, we preached together. 
off and on for a couple years. We um, counseled together. We went through some hard roads together. We did funerals together. He taught me all sorts of stuff, like this crazy cough drop called Fisherman's Friend, which is disgusting. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't absorb everything he taught me. We always, he always finished staff meetings by saying, if that's a staff meeting, we've had it. And now you can ask any of my staff. That's how I finish every single staff meeting. If that's a staff meeting, we've had it. Now, now, not only that my Paul, was, I was the Timothy to his Paul, now I'm turning around and being a Paul to other Timothys. And funny enough, one of my main Timothys is his own grandson, Robbie, which I always love pulling these pictures off the internet. This is Robbie. Remember, if you were here last week, he talked about that God and girls phase of his, of his singing. This is in the heart of that phase. He's adorable, adorable. And Robbie and I, we meet every Wednesday afternoon, and we talk about life, we confess sin, we do life together, and this last week, I'll tell you what, I love preaching. God's given me a gift and a passion for it, but man, so much more joy was brought into my life last week doing it with Robbie and seeing a guy that's so teachable, so humble, so hungry to love his God and preach his word to other people, infinitely more joy doing it with Robbie in discipleship. I got three other guys in my life who we regularly meet together. We confess sin to each other. We are in God's word together. We're inviting each other's families into our homes. We're doing life together because that's why we were created. The truth is you become like who you behold. And you're beholding someone, someones. So who are the Pauls in your life? Who's forming you? You'd be very careful about who you're following, who you're becoming like. And that's why ultimately we are disciples of Jesus. I'm not ultimately a disciple of Larry. Robbie's not ultimately a disciple of Justin. When Jesus said, follow me, we are all disciples of him. Paul said, imitate me. But here's the big clause. He says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. If I'm not imitating Christ, don't imitate me. Don't follow anyone who's not following Jesus. Step one is to become a disciple of Jesus. And listen, this requires proximity and it requires time. There's no substitute for being near him and being near him every day. To listen to him, to hear from him, to see him in the four glorious gospels, to talk with him, to cry with him, to start smell like Jesus. You're so close to him that you start doing the things that Jesus would do, saying the things Jesus would say, and going out and making other disciples who do the same. And this is God's heart, I believe, for Peninsula Grace. It comes full circle. Four sermons. We're going to talk. We're going to go through December 1st. This is our mission month where we highlight the 12 different missionaries and organizations we support. You just heard Drew presenting from Solid Rock as one of the, one of the uh, families that we support. But we also want to use this month once a year to step back and ask the question, why are we at this party? What's the big picture? What's the purpose? Why are we here? And the reason we're calling this series God's Heart for Peninsula Grace is because, listen, this better not be Justin's heart for Peninsula Grace. Oh, we'll all be in trouble. This is not the elder's heart for Peninsula Grace. This must be God's heart. That's why I chose one with a little heart-shaped thing on the Bible. Because if it's not from his authority, if it's not God, our creator, telling us why we were created and what our purpose for, we're all going to be in big trouble. And for the last 25 years, the mission of our church, and I believe it's gone, it goes back farther than that, it goes all the way back to the Apostle Paul, because it's, it's in the Bible. Our mission from... Uh, Colossians 1 verse 28 says to present everyone complete in Christ 
And that's a big mission. That can only be accomplished if God's in this. To present everyone complete in Christ. That everyone would get into this relationship with Jesus. That everyone would grow up to be like him. Mature followers, disciples of Jesus who are bearing his image. And then who go out and present others complete in Christ. We're fishing for men who are making disciple makers. That's our mission. So how we flesh this out, our, our vision, the last four years I've been here as a, a pastor, uh, me and the elders and leadership have been developing this mission, vision for our church and how we implement it. And our vision is this, to be a gospel-centered community that's reproducing disciples of Jesus. We say that with me. A gospel-centered community reproducing disciples of Jesus. Let's say it again. A gospel-centered community reproducing disciples. One more time. A gospel-centered community reproducing disciples of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now listen, I want us, the reason I'm repeating that with you is I want that buried in our brains. I want you all to sound like a cult. And you kind of did right there. It was weird. I want this on the tip of our tongues and in our minds, in the DNA of everything we do. Not because, listen, I'm not about a catchy catchphrase. I don't care. This is, that's actually not a very catchy catchphrase. There's a lot of big words. They're kind of weird. But the point of it is that we are on mission together. That we're moving in the same direction. That we have the same vision in the front of our minds. That we're all doing the same thing together. And it, got, it has to be what God has called us to be. And I believe this is a biblical vision. Because we as a church need to be on task and you need to know in our individual lives and together what to say yes to and what to say no to. What to add into our lives, what to drop in our lives, what to change in our lives. And if we don't have a target, we're going to miss it. Gospel-centered community, reproducing disciples of Jesus. And so our banner, our focus for 2020, we're going to try to flesh this out in, in these three phrases that we believe God's heart for Peninsula Grace is getting in, going out, and growing up. Getting in, going out, and growing up. Because that's what we saw in Genesis and in Matthew. Next week, Keith Hamilton's going to be here talking about ACC, going to be interviewing some students. It's going to be a powerful Sunday. And in the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at getting in, going out, and, and growing up. And I see this attached right back to our vision statement. So growing up is gospel-centered. Any growth that, that happens that's not centered around the person and work of Jesus, that's false fruit. It's all got to be centered around the good news that Jesus is alive and he's the king. And then we're also called to be a community, to, to be getting into relationship with God and others. We are all about people, not programs. Pop quiz. How many of you can remember the three points that Robbie made in his sermon last week? Uh-huh. That's what I thought. You know what? I couldn't either, and I taught it to him. <laughs> I couldn't remember what I, my points were the week before that. You see, this isn't a, when you look back at your life, when I look back at my life, what I don't remember is all the sermon points and all the programs and all the ins and the bylaws. Of the church. You know what I remember? I remember my fourth and fifth grade Sunday school teacher, Steve Milliron. I remember he loved the 80s rock band Petra with all the mullets. And, and, and he made this weird sound with his nose. <laughs> I'm just telling you, throwing him on the bus. I remember Jeremy Foster, my, my youth intern, uh, first, first youth intern that I walked with. We, we listened in the car to Animaniacs Full Blast. We, we played video games on the original Gateway computer. And Jeremy was the first guy in my life that I said, man, he is cool and he loves Jesus. I want to follow after that guy. John Thornton, my mentor and discipleship partner all throughout high school. 
Larry Smithwick, the last seven years, who I remember and who you'll remember are the people discipling you in your life, not the sermon points. That's where we need to be focused. We're a gospel-centered community coming together, gathered around the person of Jesus. And then what are we doing? We're reproducing disciples of Jesus. This is our mission, to go out into this world and make disciples who will make disciples calling people in, reeling them in as fishers of men, preaching the word by word and deed so that they might follow Jesus, become like Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. We're going to give you two homework assignments each week. And preaching, preaching is a call to belief and, and action. This is, this, if, this is, if this is just a nice moment with, with a message and your mocha sitting there, not a lot of fruit out of that. We're exhorting to live out the truths that we see in God's word. And so we're going to give two, two, two homework assignments. There's going to be a big step and little steps. We're all in different places. So today, you know, one little step. Okay? Maybe, maybe you need to make one little step this week. And here's one, is to pray for the desire for a relationship with God. But many of us here, we come in this morning pretty apathetic. We're kind of coasting through. Maybe you came because someone else made you, or it was daylight saving, so you had a little bit extra time. But whatever, wherever you got here, maybe a lot of us, were not pursuing a relationship with God. And we really, if we're honest, don't even really know how to do it or don't want to do it. So step one is to pray, God, give me a heart for you. And the beautiful truth is, he says, you'll, you have not because you ask not. Ask and you'll receive. We just said that God created us for relationship with himself. So if we ask him, you don't think he's going to honor that? I know my God answers prayer. And if you ask him for the desire, for a burning heart to know him, over time, that will be cultivated in your heart. And also pray for a Paul or a Timothy. We can't do this alone. I'd be praying, God, show me someone in my life that's following you, that I could connect with, follow along with you with them. Or maybe there's someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus. You need to bring them under your wing as a Timothy. Just pray, just start a little step, just pray, God, show me that person. Show me that person. Maybe, maybe it's time for a big step for you. And here, here's one, go on a date with God. And I know that might sound weird, especially some of the guys are like, well, yeah. Listen, you're never going to get, grow in a relationship with somebody if you don't spend time with them. Okay, like, like Jill and I, if we're not spending time together, we're not going to grow closer to, to each other. And so yesterday we just blocked out the day. We're running errands together, we're reading together, we're playing games together, we're eating together, time spent together. If we're not doing that with God, no wonder our relationship with him isn't growing. So, so here's, here's one step you can take. Just this next week, commit one hour. I'm, like, I'm going to give God one hour of time where I'm going to go in the, maybe, and I, we're all different, maybe it's going in the woods and just talking with him, letting him know how you really think, what you're, what you're, how you really feel about him. Maybe it's sitting down with the word and a, and a cup of coffee to keep you awake and just say, I want to read, I want to know you through this word that you've given me. Go on a date with God. Get to know him. Or maybe your big step is to pursue a Paul or train a Timothy. Maybe, it's, maybe, maybe God has put someone on your heart, but you've got to take the first step. These first steps are always awkward. First dates are awkward. Approaching somebody is awkward, but we've got to embrace the awkwardness, people. And maybe after the service, you've got to come up to that person and go, man, can we get together for coffee? Like, I've just, you know, and, and you don't have to say all the weird things to them to freak them out. Like, I want to follow you every day for the rest of our lives. <laughs> That's not cool, man. Just be, be normal. But, but, say, man, can we get together? I just wanted to pray with you. I just wanted to share and, and pursue someone who's following Jesus. Or maybe it's calling that person up that doesn't know Jesus. Hey, can we get together? Just wanted to chat. Just wanted to hang out a little bit. Do something with them. Take those steps to pursue a Paul or train a Timothy. This month, we're stepping back and going, why are we at this party? 
let us not forget the one that we were created to celebrate. Father God, we see in your word clearly this morning what a good truth to be reminded of, that you created us to relate with you, to walk with you, and to work with you. And God, we each see in our own stubborn, selfish hearts as you reveal it that we walked away from you, just like Adam and Eve. We'd rather do things on our terms, control things, and we've seen the mess we've made in this world at large and in our own little worlds. We see the way we buck your sovereignty in our lives. So Father, we embrace a Jesus who's mighty to save, who bought us back from the dead, raising us to life with him. And now because of that, we can walk in those purposes that you've given us. Father, maybe somebody in this room today needs to take that little step and just simply pray and ask you for a desire for a relationship with you or for with somebody to disciple with. Or maybe they're ready for that big step. Or maybe they don't feel like they're ready. You give them the boldness and, 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 and the space to be able to come up to that person after the service. Or maybe it's sending out a text message or give it a call. Say, man, can we get together? But you have called us into this gospel-centered community to go reproduce disciples. That is our mission Father, would you be bringing us back as a people into those purposes that everything we do together be moving toward this mission. This is all about Jesus. We're at this party to celebrate him. So in these last few songs, Lord, we just want to lift him high. May we in this room just pause for a moment and recognize you're here with us and you want a relationship with us. We're, we're not just here to talk about you, sing about you, give money to you. We are here to relate with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May we embrace that reality and walk in that reality and sing the praises of the God through Jesus who is mighty to save. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen.